Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 31 years. In a couple of weeks, it's going to be the 10th anniversary of being on the radio. The hell yeah. <clears throat> wow. And I'm getting sentimental about it. Because for 10 years... The loyal Weekend Warrior congregation has been listening to me talk about the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. And can you imagine the freedom I've been given to be able to connect the dots of those three worlds that I'm passionate about for 10 years? Not once have they told me what to talk about. And I thought it was crazy to be able to share with you that there is a connection between art and surgery and sports. Sometimes you'll think it's a reach. How is he going to connect the dots here? But if you listen, you'll always hear it come through because it is a reality. These worlds are the same to me. Last night, we saw 36-year-old LeBron James do something that players half his age can't even keep up with him. His physical prowess is one thing. Reverse dunks, flying through the air, still being able to leap and land the way he does with really no injuries to speak about. It's incredible. But his true success is not only in his physical being. It's not only in his mental being. It's in what's called court vision. He sees the defense and can advise his teammates, "Uh uh-oh, this is the play they're running. You go in the corner. You go under the paint. I'm going to take this shot. He picks them apart because he sees things differently. What do we say in baseball? There's a difference between pitching and throwing a baseball. If you go in the backyard with your kids, and just throw him a baseball, you're never going to hurt your elbow. You're never going to need Tommy John surgery. It isn't until you start pitching that you torque your elbow and you need Tommy John surgery. There's a difference. But by the same token, there's a difference between seeing and looking. When you just look at something, it's two-dimensional. That house is blue. That car is red. But when you actually take it in, that car has a woman driving it, not a man. You look through the windshield. You look deeper. You learn how to drink with your eyes. And in a minute, you're going to hear a soundbite from Magic Johnson explaining to us that if you think God just gave us two eyes, how are you going to see all the things I got to see on the basketball court? You got about a hundred eyes. You're going to hear magic say that. And he's right. But I'm here to tell you the same thing occurs in art. You can look at a painting, look at a sculpture. And if you gloss over it, you're really not drinking in the art with your eyes. And there was a moment in my life, early in my life, I just started college. I enter a class and the professor, and I didn't want to be in this class. I'm from the streets of New York. I'm from Far Rockaway. I'm not interested in going to a museum or looking at art, but they made me take this class to get my degree at Columbia. They don't care what you're majoring in. You got to take humanities and art history. So I'm in the class and the professor turns and says, I hope none of you are pre-med. 
because I don't give anyone an A. And I'm like going, okay, then I'm not going to be in your class. And as I'm putting my books in my knapsack, because I'm not here to learn anything, I'm just here to get into medical school, I said to myself. He literally closes the lights in the room as I'm packing the bags to leave, puts up the first slide and says, I want you to see the visual noise in the corner of this painting. This was the first time I learned the difference between looking and seeing. I, he was teaching me how to drink with my eyes. Well, with the power of YouTube, He's long since passed away, David Roseanne, my professor. But I found a lecture he gave in 2013, and I'm so excited because in a minute, you're going to hear what I heard because you're going to hear him speak about a painter I frankly have never heard of before, Paolo Veronese from the 1500s. But you're going to hear him teach you. And it doesn't even matter whether you have the painting we're talking about in front of you. I want you to listen to what it's like when someone has a command of the language so deep that he teaches you how to drink with your eyes. I cannot wait to share this with you because it's part of this journey that I've had with you for 10 years. And I'm so excited because my guest at 815 is one of my favorite guests we've had over the 10 years, Claire Cunney, who's an art historian, who's gonna also teach us how to drink with our eyes. That's what she does for a living. So excited. Clapper vision, gotta be about Anthony Davis. What the hell is Achilles tendinosis? How am I gonna explain this to you? You've already heard me talk about the strands that make up microscopically your Achilles tendon. They look like two mops, one straight up, one upside down, and how the, the ropes of the mop interdigitate with each other. That's what your Achilles tendon looks like, not only under the microscope, but what it looks like to me when you rupture your Achilles tendon. What is Achilles tendon tendinosis, tendinosis? He didn't rupture his Achilles tendon. What does that look like on the MRI? What was causing the soreness in Anthony Davis's Achilles tendon? You need a clapper vision. And I'll explain that a little later in the show. But right now, let's get into it. Steve Paulette, back in the saddle. Oh, what a show we're going to have for you today. Yeah. Let's hear in sports what it sounds like when a professor of basketball, Magic Johnson, teaches us what drinking with your eyes really means. Let's go to number one. You know, when you're born, they tell us we only have two eyes. But that's not true. Actually, we have about 100 eyes. We just got to train ourselves to use all those eyes. For instance, Say we're coming down the court on a fast break. Now you're looking to see who's behind you, who's in front of you, who's running fast, who's running slow, where's the defense, who's free, who's got a shot, who can block that shot, who's open, the passing lanes, the cracks, the seams, you're just moving fast. Now, who's going to see all of that with just two eyes? Exactly, Magic. That's the example in sports. you got to have a hundred eyes and you gotta drink it all in like a fine wine. That's passion in life. You're not just looking, you're seeing. Number two. You got to train yourself. I say it again, you got to train yourself to use everything, to see the whole floor, to use all those eyes. Now, when I look side to side, I see a fan, I see two ladies, I see five men, I see a chair, I see a ladder, I see a basket, I see some bleachers, I see all of those things. Now that's an exercise you can use for your eyes because passing is with your hands and your eyes. Exactly. Yesterday in surgery, yet another skier blew out her knee. Lovely girl from Minnesota came to me. I spent time yesterday in surgery, not just looking, but seeing where did her ACL tear from? How did it pull off the bone? And I'm going to use that arthroscope to put the new ligament that I'm going to rebuild for her exactly where the old one came from. There's a lot of surgeons who just slap it in. They're not paying attention. 
it's a game of millimeters. Because if you put that ligament in the wrong spot, when you drill that tunnel in the bone for the new ligament, and you're off by a millimeter, that's the difference between it stretching out and failing and needed, needing it to be done again two years later, four years later. Knock on wood, 32 years and thousands of surgeries. I'm not re needing to redo anybody because you do it right the first time because you learn how to, as magic says, train your eyes to see deeper, drink it all in with your eyes. Number three. We're about to go into passing. And I really love this part of the game because passing, you make somebody else score two points. You set the offense up for another guy. And that's mental part of the game because you have to understand what type of pass you're going to make, whether it's a bounce pass, a chest pass, an overhead pass, or a baseball pass. All of that knowledge. And in the next segment, 715, you're going to hear Professor Roseanne talk about a painter that you've never heard of before, that I never heard of before. But when he says, look at the ceiling painting, look at the sky Paolo Veronese painted. Now let me tell you why it's still so blue 500 years later. Because I looked up, he says, the contract that he was given from the church by the monks. This is 500 years ago. Only he finds the contract for the painting. And the monks who were very wealthy said, we're going to give you lapis lazuli, ultramarine as a blue pigment, very expensive. It's like giving you gold. An average painter can't afford to have that in his workshop. But that's what you're going to use for our painting, the marriage at Cana. And that is why 500 years later, when we look at it at the Louvre, the largest painting in the Louvre, it's still so blue. Otherwise, you just look at the painting, you go, okay, that's nice. No, you need to learn how to see deeper. What about if you don't learn how to see deeper? What does that sound like? I'm talking about the difference between looking and seeing. This is hilarious. This is a soundbite of Tommy Lasorda. And I love Tommy Lasorda because he actually does have that ability. That's why he was so special to go deeper. That's why he changed Oral Hershiser's name to Bulldog, because he actually could see the depth of Oral Hershiser and changed his life. But in this particular interview, he's got no time for the reporter to give him any depth because he's so furious the Dodgers lost the game. And I'm going back to 1978 when someone named Dave Kingman hit three home runs against the Dodgers. They go into the locker room, He's mad. And the reporter has the chutzpah to say, what happened? What's your opinion of what happened with Dave Kingman hitting three home, run, home runs? This is no depth. This is just seeing, not really going deeper, not drinking with your eyes. Let's go to number one or number four. Can you give us just a few basic comments about your feelings on the game? Well, naturally, I feel bad about losing a ball game like that. There's, uh, there's no way you should lose that ball game, and that uh, just doesn't make sense. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? <laughs> what the f you think is my opinion of it? I think it was <laughs> put that in. I don't f opinion of his performance. <laughs> Number five. He beat us with three home runs. <laughs> what the f can you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of of his performance? He hit three home runs. I'm off to lose the game. And finally, number six. And you ask me my opinion of his performance? I mean, that's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I asked it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? And you just did. That's right. Guy hits three home runs against us. 
and you can hear Tommy apologize. I didn't give you a good answer because he knows the difference between just the surface and going deeper. He knows how to drink with his eyes. That's the key to life, my life, in surgery, in sports, and in art. And coming up next is such a treat for me. So I hope you enjoy the ride in the passenger seat with me. But to hear my professor who taught me 45 years ago how to drink with my eyes, what a treat to hear his voice again. May he rest in peace, Professor David Roseanne. The number, by the way, is 877-710-ESPN. At 7.30, we'll open the clinic and I'll take you into the operating room. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. What do you want when you gotta eat something? And it's gotta be sweet. And it's gotta be a lot. And you gotta have it now. What do you want? Lip smack and whip smack and patty whack and ink and knack and zilberack and scalawack and cracker jack and boo. Big clap. Candy coated popcorn, peanuts and a prize. That's what you get in. Big clap. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper. And the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Claperio, a fish tacologist. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know the ins and outs of a fish taco. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles. It's another tequila Staring slowly across the sky. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. And why would Steve Paulette be playing the Eagles? What was his first name? Fry? Big Laker fan. What was it? Glenn Fry. He used to sit courtside all the time I'd see him at the Laker games. But Steve Paulette is playing that song because... It's tequila. It's drinking. And he's drinking with his eyes. A little later in the show, I'm going to talk about my friend Russ Mukai from Kauai, Hawaii. I surf with him every Sunday. But he was the auto shop teacher at North Hollywood High School for many years. And I got a 1963 Corvette. If you go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper, you'll see a picture of me with my smile from ear to ear behind the wheel of my 63 Corvette. I've had it for 22 years. And every time I lift the hood up, which in the history of humanity, a Jewish guy does not lift the hood of a car ever because we have no idea what we're looking at. But I would just see the engine that I called Russ and I said, listen, I really want to go deeper and looking at my car. I want to drink it in with my eyes. I want you to teach me. So he came down and we lift the hood of the car and wait till I tell you what I learned about an engine that I never knew before. It blew my mind. A little later in the show, we'll get into it. Drinking with your eyes when it comes to your car. And I'm not talking about a car nowadays because God knows what the computer can do for your engine and whatnot. But in 1963, the world was beautifully a simpler place. And even a guy like me can understand what connects to what. But that's the story of life is going deeper. Not just looking at something, but seeing it drinking it in the z-axis 
the third dimension, the depth. And I told you, I'm from the streets of New York. I had no depth until I went to college. And I sat in a class that I tried to get out of because this professor said, I don't give anyone A's. And by the way, I got an A from this guy. I became an art history major. I did a thesis with him. He changed my life. And now you're gonna hear him change your life. And it doesn't matter, but you can look it up. The painting is called The Marriage at Cana. Cana. This is where Jesus turned water into wine. That's the miracle. It's the largest painting that's in the Louvre. It's from 1562. You wanna look it up while we're gonna talk about it? Fine. But it really doesn't matter about what the painting looks like or even who the painter is. But listen to how this man draws you in because that's what he did on that fateful day way back in 1976 for me. Steve Paulette, Professor David Roseanne, let's go to number one. I wanted to talk about uh, the, the really new and increasingly profound appreciation of a painter who has for most of his, let's just say, um, uh, fame, been celebrated as a decorative painter. And this was, the, the, I mean, the, the idea of, of, of being a decorative painter was, was never quite pejorative, but he wasn't considered as serious as Titian or Tintoretto. This is like the criticism of Norman Rockwell, one of the greatest painters ever to come out of America. You know what they used to call Norman Rockwell? And it used to bother him. They used to say, he's just an illustrator. This guy's got one of the greatest paintings collection created ever. You're just an illustrator. They called this guy Paolo Veronese. You're just a decorative painter. It's like calling Kobe Bryant Smush Parker. There's a difference. Number two. We had a sense that somehow justice was not being done to a really great painter. And so a younger generation of scholars began to probe those pictures and also to probe the biography. So most recently, we know more about Veronese's background, the family that he comes from, from Como, a family of stonecutters. So here's, he's already, he's telling you, we're gonna look at this painter that you never heard of, but let me give you a little history. He comes from a family of stone carvers, sculptors, like what I do, going to Carrara every summer to work on stone three-dimensionally. He's giving you relevant. What the hell does this have to do with him being a painter? Ah, you're about to learn what's special about this painter. Number three. And I want to show you some of the results because these results, it's not only here, but also a lot of the activity that's been going on in museums uh, with restoration, keep opening up new aspects of this painter. Aspects that were celebrated in the past but have been covered over by retouches and varnishing and so forth. And it's the cleaning that very often gives us a new painter. So Roseanne was very involved going to Venice and cleaning and restoring these paintings from 500 years ago. And in the cleaning process, getting all the schmutz that's off of these ceiling paintings where smoke from lighting a candle would cover some of the beautiful colors that they use. Well, there you go and clean the painting. They all of a sudden see something they've never seen before. That's what he's talking about, this restoration. And he was involved. This is a painting he's going to talk about called The Triumph of Mordechai by Paolo Veronese, number four. One of the things that, that is important to recognize is how much we have lost over time. And in this particular case, um, what we have lost, I mean, this, is, this was all retouching. This is all repainting that's been taken away. For the blue sky, Veronese unfortunately used smalt and that just change, chemically changes with time and uh, becomes more transparent. And the blue of the skies in many of his paintings has been lost. He's telling you what kind of paint he's using. Because in those days, the artists mixed their own paint. And remember this about the blue sky disappearing when they restored because he used small. Remember this when we're going to talk about the marriage of Cana, where he was gifted from the monks for blue lapis lazuli. 
super expensive, but it doesn't fade away 500 years ago. Just remember that. But let's listen to David Roseanne talk about the technical ability of this guy. You're just looking at a painting, but he's about to teach you how to look deeper. Number five. He is an absolute master of the brush. There's very little in the way of preparatory drawings here. They're not, I mean, they're hardly known. I mean, just a few sketches maybe for a, a figure here and there, pen sketches. And there, is, there are no cartoons used. In other words, there were no full-scale drawings that were then applied to the canvas uh, as guides. He essentially, from what one can tell from the, the restoration, uh, he <clears throat> essentially drew in the, the composition roughly with, with uh, charcoal, fixed it in parts with, with, um, with brush and, 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 and paint, uh, and then built it, up, built it up with pure color. And now he's going to point out, can you imagine being in a class? He's now going to zoom in on a dog. In this giant painting, he's going to zoom in on the face of this insignificant, you would think, dog. But he's about to show you. Look carefully, and you will see the remnant of the charcoal sketch that he left and didn't paint over. Number five. He is an absolute master of the brush. There's very little in the way of preparatory drawings here. They're not, I mean, they're hardly known. I mean, just a few sketches maybe for a, a figure here and there, pen sketches. And there, is, there are no cartoons used. In other words, there were no full-scale drawings that were then applied to the canvas uh, as guides. He essentially, from what one can tell from the, the restoration, uh, he <clears throat> essentially drew in the, the composition roughly with, with uh, charcoal, fixed it in parts with, with, um, with brush and, 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 and paint. Uh, and then built it up, built it up with pure color. I just love listening to his voice. I'm sorry, that was a repeat. Let's go to number six. This marvelous dog, uh, and you can see down here. These are still these are uh, some of the the original charcoal uh, drawings in the dog's whiskers. Mm. But this is an artist who builds with color and builds with stroke. Again, not a novelty. Everybody's known this and celebrated it since. I mean, from his own career but we're learning more and more about it. The, the sheer confidence with which, with which, he, um, with which he approached uh, this kind of pictorial construction. He's teaching you about the confidence of this Kobe Bryant, of this Magic Johnson, because he sees charcoal, knows that he's just throwing the painting up. He's not preparatory like other painters are from a dog whisker. It's amazing. Number seven. One of the things that was so impressive when one got close up to these paintings is uh, just how, um, how anatomical a brushstroke can be in defining, for example, the muzzle of a horse uh, or even a knee. Which is my field now. Maybe this is where the first connection I got of art and surgery is a brushstroke of a knee. Who knows? But now let's get to, remember I told you about the sky? And David Roseanne taught me how to see deeper. Listen to him talk about the sky in the marriage of Cana. Number 10. The marriage at Cana uh, that he did for the refectory of San Giorgio Maggiore, uh, a painting that uh, has suffered more than any other from this, this, the, the, the sobriquet of being uh, of decorative. Number 11. The painting itself, uh, as I said, we, we know an awful lot about it. We have the contract for it. We know uh, that here the blue, by the way, the blue is in perfectly in excellent condition in the sky because we know from the contract that uh, ultramarine blue, that is lapis lazuli, was supplied to the painter. Mm, number 12. This is not, neither gold nor ultramarine was kept in a workshop. It was just too expensive. If the patron wanted it, they paid extra. And in this case, the, the, the Benedictine monks of, of San Giorgio Maggiore had, had the means to pay for it, whatever they wanted. And these are my favorite parts of what I'm trying to teach you here. Here, David Roseanne is going to teach you how to look at the toes of the people in a painting. 
Who would ever tell you this? Everybody would train to look at the face. You're talking about a painting, a portrait. He's telling us, no, look at the toes. What? Number 13. One of the joys of looking at Veronese, as I said at the beginning with the San Sebastiano pictures, is just how he paints, how brush strokes become anatomy. And um, one day, if I have time, I will do a study of, or at least give a lecture on, the painting of toes. And the two greatest toe painters of the 16th century are Michelangelo and Veronese, approaching in very different ways. But the nice thing about, about the, the exhibition, of course, is that the toes are all on eye level. And so you can focus on Well, it's also, it's also what we would call a Morellian detail. When you see a toe that is painted rather too fluidly, it ain't the master. When you see a toe that, that really is giving you some articulation, even right down to those little digits, um, that's, that's, that's the painter at work. Mm. I mean, I just need a moment right now just to be in the presence of someone who can break this down. It's like Vince Scully doing a Dodger game. You learn about the dad and the mom of the guy at the batter's box. What relevance does it have? I remember him talking about a baseball player and he went on about this winter jacket and how the winter jacket changed this player's life growing up. Strike one. You know, and his father couldn't afford this. So strike two. He's telling a whole story. That's what David Roseanne was for me. Your life gets so much deeper with this ability to drink with your eyes. And at 815, Claire Cunney's gonna teach us. We're gonna do four paintings with her. We're gonna do, uh, from an Art Institute of Chicago, Nighthawks. Picasso's Three Musicians, Michelangelo's The Donnie Tondo, and Paolo Veronese's Marriage at Cana. We're gonna do four paintings with her at 815 because she's gonna teach us how to drink with our eyes. Coming up next, the, the, the number is 877-710-ESPN. God, I have to talk about some shoulders that I did this week in, in the operating room. But I do wanna talk about drinking with my eyes on a 1963 Corvette Stingray that I own with my friend Russ, who taught me how to look once the hood was open and drink with my eyes. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers, aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Where do you live, Dave? I live in Sherman Oaks. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I need you to schlep. That's a medical term. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Hi, it's Steve Follett playing Eric Burden and War. Not Eric Burden with the animals. This is Eric Burden when he's singing with War. Spill the wine. Because we're talking about learning how to drink with your eyes. That's what I love about Cedars for 32 years, where I've made my career and still practicing heavily, strong. Because I'm with doctors who drink with their eyes. And that's what I hope you'll have when you see your doctor. Then they're not just looking at you, but they see you deep, third dimension. We'll get into drinking with your eyes when I lifted the hood of my 63 Corvette Stingray and my friend Russ McKay and what I learned, which blew my mind this week. But let's open the phones. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Denise and Sherman Oaks. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. 
Hi, Denise. So Gene Crawford always says every female caller is listening to the show on the weekend and maybe is not listening during the week. So it's a real treat for me to be able to to talk to the the female listener of the Weekend Warrior Show. So have you been listening for a while? I have been ever since uh, years ago. And I used to listen to you as I was going to therapy. And then I came and saw you, actually, and you really turned my my situation around but it has gotten worse unfortunately because of an accident mm-hmm. and I was just diagnosed with uh I got a three things neck spine fusion and remove bell c2 mm-hmm. additional neck spine fusion insert spine fixation device and then um biomedical I'm sorry, biomechanical device. Mm. Have you already had this done or they're suggesting this? No, it's it's not um, been done yet. Yeah. Well, you got to be careful. Tread lightly because you have to recognize a lot of what builds the medical system, which in many ways, in my opinion, is broken as we leave the whole idea of natural healing. And I don't mean it in a, in a monkey business kind of way, you know, take this vitamin and your world will be different or rub this on and everything's gonna go away. But you really have to go back and look at the anatomy. To me, that's where all the answers are. So as we get older, we get altacocaritis, which basically means, and for those of you listening, driving, sitting down, Pinch the back of your hand, pinch the skin on the back of your hand. You wanna see what aging is like? Watch, it takes a half an hour for your skin to flatten when you're 63, like I am. But if you're 20 and you pinch the back of your hand, instantaneously, the skin flattens. What's the difference? What is father time? Father time is that, is pinching the back of your hand and seeing the loss of flexibility and elasticity. And that is because of the water content of the matrix. Under the microscope, our collagen looks like strands of spaghetti Mm -hmm. and the marinara sauce is what keeps us supple. Fresh spaghetti sauce on top of spaghetti is delicious. That's young skin. But if you forget to put that bowl of spaghetti the leftovers in the refrigerator and you leave it out all night the next morning you wake up and you go oh my god i forgot to put the bowl of spaghetti away in the refrigerator go look at the marinara sauce it's dried out you don't even want to eat that spaghetti because Mm -hmm. you lost all that beautiful hydration the water content of the tomato sauce believe it or not that's what the mucopolysaccharides and all of the matrix the spaghetti sauce that makes us up but as we get older, it dries out. So you have discs that are drying out at multiple levels. So they no longer help with the rotation of your neck. They no longer help with the shock absorber of what the disc does as you jump up and down so that the bones don't collide against each other. But here's, and here's a clapper vision for you. Look at a bird cage at a pet shop right? It's that, or even those old cartoons where you see the cage itself has slits in it so that you can see through the cage and see the bird, but you need the bird cage to be of enough distance so the bird can't fly out of the cage. Mm -hmm. You need it to be a certain size opening so you can see the bird, but he can't fly out. That's a clapper vision for what's known as the foramen or the spinal canal. The bone of your spine is like a bird cage, but when you're young, that size of the openings that let you see the bird, that lets the nerve escape from being protected by the bone of the spine, as we get older, that foramen, that hole, that space between the wires of the cage, it's almost if rust starts to take place. That doesn't just weaken the metal frame of the bird cage, but it builds up and actually just like the pipes in your sink in your house, if it's galvanized pipe and not copper, the rust 
makes the water pressure. You open up the sink, it just drip drips. The faucet doesn't run really well. It's called stenosis. Yeah. It ages in your heart, your blood vessels, and it starts to make the foramen, the whole of the cage, the rust builds up so that you can no longer see the bird in the cage because the rust becomes so thick. That's what happens with degeneration. We call them osteophytes. Osteo in Latin means bone. Fight means a spur. Young kids don't get osteophytes. They don't get bone spurs that block the view of the bird in the cage. But older people do. People in their 50s, they start to get a buildup of the rust. You can't see the bird anymore. And if you can't see the bird anymore because the foramen or the hole is getting smaller, guess what's coming through that hole? in your spinal cord or in your spine, bony spine, the spinal nerves themselves. So they start to choke. And that is why the big advance in spine surgery for someone like you may actually be a disc replacement, but they are not without their complications. So that is why many spine surgeons still do either a fusion and some of them just do a rotor rooter just a decompression. Mm -hmm. So my advice to you is I'm going to want you to see someone that I trust. And I'll give you two names right now, two elite spine surgeons. Not necessarily am I sending you to them for surgery, although they're fantastic. But these are two guys that I trust and they will guide you and tell you and teach you. Are you a candidate for a rotor rooter? Are you a candidate for a replacement? Are you a candidate for a fusion? Because just putting a pain pump or whatever it is that they're trying to do to deaden the nerve, to me is like giving you Robitussin when you're coughing, when the reason you're coughing is you got pneumonia. You need antibiotics to stop coughing, not Robitussin. Don't just treat the fact that the nerve hurts, let's kill the nerve, let's short circuit the nerve. And this is just my opinion. I'm not taking anything away from anybody who likes these devices. I just don't. And I obviously like being holistic by getting you in the pool. But at the state that you're in, okay, you should see a spine person that I trust. So Lionel Hunt, like going hunting. I love him. He's at Cedars. Terrence Kim, K-I-M, also a terrific spine person at Cedars. These are two names. You go see them. And then you can check back in with me. That's my suggestion for you, Denise. Don't let them give you epidurals. Don't let them give you cortisone. You figure out what the best solution. I need your doctor to drink with their eyes, not just see you, but yeah. look deeper. And thanks so much for calling. I appreciate it. Thank All right, you. Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. When I see the food, I eat it. Bada boom. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm on a light diet. I only eat when it's light out. Bada boom. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. UB40, the old Neil Diamond song. Drinking with your eyes. That's today's topic. What a pleasure. So much fun. And thanks for listening. And thanks for telling your friends. February, 10 years I've been on the radio. I can't believe it. My dad loved listening to the radio. Gene Shepard was his favorite. I'm sure that's really why I'm doing this because every Saturday morning I get to think about my dad turning on the radio and thanks for going along with me 
appreciate it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Roger in L.A. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? You there, Roger? Yeah, uh, yeah hi. Yeah, I um, just got a problem with my knees. Roger, how old are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 73. I'm retired. What are you retired from? I used to teach. I used to teach uh, English as a second language. Wow, that's amazing. Where did you grow up, Roger? I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York. What high school did you go to? I went to Wingate, George W. Wingate High School. What did your father do for a living? I'm sorry? What did your father do for a living? My father, well, he was a janitor. Wow, you became a school teacher and your dad was a janitor. That's amazing. God bless yeah. you. I'm proud of you, Roger. Good for you. <laughs> the American you. dream. Thank you. When did you leave uh, Brooklyn to come to Los Angeles? Oh, God, uh, let's see, uh, 72. I came out here in 72. Wow. Tell us what Los Angeles was like in 1972, Roger, from a guy well, from Brooklyn. Well, a, lo a lot fewer cars. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. What high school did you work at? What high school? Yeah. I mean, where did you teach? I should say. Uh, well, it was it was a private school. It was huh. a, a, a private school owned by one one gentleman. It was an international business college. What was the trick that you used to start your class to inspire the kids to love speaking English? Well, I would I would use a lot of music. I bring my guitar to class and oh. and uh, just play a lot, play a lot of music. So music is an international language, and you use that to get them to love it. Some people learn from comic books or watching cartoons on TV, but actually, music goes deeper into your brain. What a great idea, Roger! Who gave you that idea? Well, uh, there was a lot of music growing up as a kid in my household. I was born uh, I was born the youngest of nine kids. Oh my God! Uh, so there was a lot of music in the house: opera, classical, you know, jazz, uh, rock and roll. And so uh, I would I would use music and also comedy in my classroom. Of the nine <laughs> kids, which number were you? Uh, I was I was the last. My my brothers, I was the. My brothers called me the last of the Mohegans. I was the last of nine. <laughs> I remember watching the Johnny Carson show one night, and he had a guest on a comedian who said, did you hear? They found another Mohican. So they're recalling all the books. There is no last of the Mohican. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah. All right. I, how I, can I, I help you, young man? What's up? Well, it's my knees. Um, a, a few years ago, I had an MRI, and... Uh, the doctor at the time said, "Well, you have a you know degenerative arthritis in both knees." Um, so I, I didn't do anything about it. I let time pass, and uh, so I'm, I'm thinking I, I might need you know knee replacement. I'm not sure, so I want to I want to have that checked out. Have you been listening to the show? I'm sorry. Say again. Do you listen to the show on Saturdays? Oh yeah. You know what Clapper Vision is? No, not quite. Not no. Clapper Vision is me trying to be a teacher, just like you were your whole life, trying to use examples in everyday life to explain oh. anatomy. So when they tell you you have bone on bone and you have arthritis, I want you to visualize your car where the tires have worn out. I want you okay. to visualize an old house where the linoleum in the kitchen is worn through and now you're seeing the plywood. Arthritis means that the cartilage is worn out and now you're seeing the bone that's underneath it. Ah. There's a lot of people out there who are gonna tell you that there's a shampoo who'll grow hair on top of your head. There's a lot of people out there who'll tell you that stem cell will grow a new tooth in your mouth. Okay. You know what? You can't, all right? If you ever met me, you'd see I have no hair on top of my head and there's no shampoo growing the hair back on top of my head. And I don't know a dentist who can grow another tooth. But it's a billion-dollar business to tell people we can grow cartilage. So do me a favor, Roger. Don't yeah. let them stick a needle in your knee. Cortisone, stem cells, no needles of any kind in your knee. There's a book I wrote with Linda Huey called Heal 
your knees. You will love this book. We give the money to the homeless. Get one of these books. It'll inspire you to make the muscles strong. And you know what, Roger? Yeah. You won the prize today. You're going to call my office if you want, and you tell them I said it's okay, and I will see you next week in my office, and I will help you, Hell all right? Yeah. So that you don't have to bounce all over town looking for someone who can drink with their eyes. You just met someone who can drink with their eyes, Dr. Clapper, and I look forward to meeting you in person. For a guy who changed so many people's lives as a teacher, in my opinion, Roger, there's two great professions in our society, and at the top of the list, teaching. Nursing is a close second, but to be a teacher, to make an impact on other people's lives is one of the most beautiful things in the world. And it'll be my honor and pleasure to help you out. So you call my office at Cedars and I will make time to see you, Roger, and help you. Okay. What, what number is that? You can look it up. You've been a teacher your whole life. You can look it up. Okay. I look forward, look forward to meeting you. All right, Warriors, coming up next, we're going to tell some stories. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But today's topic is a beautiful one. It's about learning how to drink with your eyes. And at 815, Claire Cunney is going to teach us how to do that. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. And just before she it's good to be king. Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clapper Vision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.